Welcome to the Pick and Roll Podcast. Joining me today is the dad joke telling, my bad announcing, cancer solving point guard Jordan Kress. How are you doing, Jordan? Doing pretty good. I'm kind of wondering if that's always what I'm going to be known by. Just the dad jokes, uh, my bad announcing. Well, at least I got the cancer solving part. That's pretty cool. So at least there's some redeemable qualities from the introduction, but yeah, I'm doing great. You have a good Thanksgiving? What'd you do? Do you have any Thanksgiving traditions? Um, see, Thanksgiving for us is we like to focus on the important things, which is uh, food for us. Right. So we had lots of food. I probably averaged about six pieces of pie a day. So yeah, feel feel pretty good about that, honestly. Uh, how about you? What did, did you, you do have for to your make anything? Did you make anything, or did you just sit on the couch and just don't do anything? Um, I'm trying to think. I helped. I helped make the green bean casserole for our Thanksgiving dinner. But what other than that, mean? I just. I, there was just so much food. I just went to the fridge and whatever was in there, I just started eating, you know, so. You went to the fridge and started eating whatever on Thanksgiving? Like the whole weekend. Like, you know, because there's so much leftovers from like the Thanksgiving meal and everything. Okay, so. afterwards. No. Yeah, afterwards. I thought, I thought maybe so I'm just like, saying like home. basically that whole weekend was just me going, finding whatever food was available and eating it, so. Okay, I, I'm picturing you going home and you're like, okay, Thanksgiving's in like two days. I'm just gonna eat continuously to stretch my stomach out until <laughs> Thanksgiving so that you can eat six pies a day afterwards. No, that's that's a good strategy though. Maybe I should try that next year. Yeah, I've been doing that, but not to, not for Thanksgiving, I've just been fatso, but that's okay. I'm working on that. Anyways. Glad you have a good Thanksgiving. Glad to be back uh, discussing some sports topics today. I think this this episode we're going to mostly focus on um, BYU. It's going to be a BYU intensive episode um, with a lot having gone on with both the football and basketball programs um, in these past couple of weeks since our last episode. Um, so what are your thoughts with the BYU, how BYU's football program stands right now? Well, as you know, these, uh, these last couple of weeks have been kind of a roller coaster for the BYU football team. Uh, a couple of weeks ago when the college football playoff rankings came out, you definitely could feel like a big hit for all the BYU fans because I feel like you, there was like maybe a certain, a certain degree of disrespect uh, from those rankings with how well the football team has performed this year. Um, but um, but we've seen them like they, uh, climb up a few spots on the rankings, so that's good to see. And then also they have the promising game with uh, Coastal Carolina this weekend, which will give them another ranked opponent uh, to be able to pad their resume. So yeah, and that that ranked opponent is uh, Coastal Carolina, number 18th ranked team in the country right now, and they're nine and zero. Really, an unexpected nine and zero. Um, they coming into the season out of the Sun Belt Conference, they were projected by analysts to go like three and three and nine or, or four and eight or whatever in a twelve game span, and to be kind of a bottom feeder within the Sun Belt, which is a bottom feeder generally of everyone. <laughs> so they've been a real surprise in and of themselves, but have looked really impressive. I don't know. Have you had a chance to to watch them at all this year? I did. I watched their game against uh, Appalachian State just towards the end. And yeah, I could see they've, they've definitely got a lot of athletes on their team. I will say that. Um, 
I will say, though, their talent level doesn't seem to be up to where, I mean, obviously where a lot of the Power 5 conferences are, and I think even where BYU is, because even just watching their quarterback, Heath, a lot of his passes were just kind of, you know, wounded ducks wobbling in the air, and they there they would have been very easy for, I think, the BYU secondary to pick off. So I'll be interested interested to see how they perform against uh, BYU this weekend. That's interesting that you say that because I, I watched them play against uh, Louisiana Lafayette uh, earlier this year. I think it was at Louisiana Lafayette. At the time, they were both undefeated, and they ended up winning that game 30-27. to 27. It came right down to the end. It was a really good game. Um, but I thought their quarterback looked pretty good. He's, he's thrown – as of now, he's thrown 1,000 – 747 yards, 20 touchdowns, only has one interception, and then also has a few hundred yards on the ground with a few more touchdowns, like five more touchdowns. And he's he's a redshirt freshman, so he's young, but he's been, I mean, 20 touchdowns, one interception for anybody, especially a, a redshirt freshman. That's pretty good statistics. And I feel like he's the surprise of the team. Actually, he's partially um, why they've been so good. So it's interesting that you, you watched him and you're like, eh, well, maybe I just had a, a bad, you know, maybe I just watched a bad stretch from him. Cause, and I was also kind of surprised by that game, too, because Appalachian State was in position to win that game towards the end, but um, Coastal Carolina was able to come back. And so I think probably a few of those plays that I was watching were desperation plays towards the end of the game where, you know, sometimes you're just not as disciplined as an offensive player. Um, but, you know, it didn't end up hurting them in the end, and they pulled out the W, so. That's really yeah. what, what counts, I suppose. And I'm looking at a few other statistics. They, they're pretty balanced. They, they're rushing touchdowns to passing touchdowns are pretty even, so they're a pretty balanced offense with a solid defense, but I think they rely more on their offense um, on the ground and through the air. So they are a balanced attack. It's not a team like USC that um, kind of an air raid attack that BYU really has done pretty well against with their – just rushing three, drop eight, putting everyone into zone coverage and, and making um, quarterbacks uh, make mistakes. They've, they've had a lot of success against teams like Houston and USC doing that. But this team is, is a balanced running threat as well as um, competing through the air. So that it'll be interesting to see how, uh, how they match up. I actually think this is the perfect scenario for BYU as far as, first off, just getting any game. Um, considering their circumstances. And we'll talk more about um, the fiasco with Washington and um, their college football rankings in just a minute. But just looking at Coastal Carolina, they're a team that's ranked. They're undefeated. They've won a couple good games and have a good amount of respect for being a group of five school. Um, And BYU will get to go play them and if they win, it should move them up a few spots, but I don't really think it'll be close. I think BYU is going to win pretty handily because even though Coastal Carolina has been good, they're still a Sunbelt school, and I, I just don't see the talent uh, matching up to a BYU team that's not only better on paper but has been better um, just through the eye test. They've been actually good all year long. So, Yeah. And that's something that some of the um, analysts have mentioned because unfortunately with this year, with the way the schedules have had to have been changed, especially with BYU schedule where their strength of schedule has gone from really good to really bad. The eye test is more important than ever in, in these 
um, rankings and in these playoffs this year because, you know, that's kind of just what you have to base it off of because we don't, we're not able to see those matchups that we would normally would see to, to really test those teams like BYU to see how good they actually are. So, um, and unfortunately, I feel like um, so far the, um, those that put together the rankings have not really used that eye test because I feel like there's so many teams that are in front of BYU right now, like that are, there's a few two loss teams that I just don't feel belong there. The first of which being Iowa State. Um, so Iowa State as a two loss team, uh, one of their losses have come to Louisiana, uh, came to Louisiana at the beginning of the season. So I just think that's very interesting. You know, another one of the Sun Belt schools. So hopefully um, if BYU beats Coastal Carolina, you know, that, um, that train of, you know, BYU beat Coastal Carolina, who beat Louisiana, who beat Iowa State will help boost BYU above Iowa State. So, you know, that's just one of my thoughts there. And then in addition to that, I don't know if Oklahoma should be ranked above BYU either. Um, what are your thoughts on, on the Sooners and their ranking? Well, I mean, it's here in Kentucky, it's 9.53 and Oklahoma still sucks. So they shouldn't be um, ahead of BYU because they're Oklahoma and they suck. But aside from that, um, probably not at this point. I can, Oklahoma actually, I think, has gotten a lot better as the season has progressed, I think they're going to win the big 12 again and they'll go to a BCS bowl and, and they're actually pretty good. They're pretty talented. They've lost, they lost a few players um, earlier in the season who are back now. And Spencer Rattler has been able to go through his full season and progress, but as far as resume, um, no, I don't think they really should be ahead of BYU. They're not actually my main problem because as, if you're going to talk about eye test, I think Oklahoma is better than, than any of the other teams behind Cincinnati. Um, the teams I have most problem with are one is Georgia, because they have two losses, mm -hmm. um, which both of which were to good teams, this to Alabama and to Florida, but they got their doors blown off. They got beat badly in those games. Um, they haven't really passed the eye test. They only beat Mississippi State, I think, by seven. Mm -hmm. And most of their games really have not been um, – They've been closer than they should have been, and they're also against teams that are not good. The only team that they've beaten that's ranked, uh, maybe that only the only team they've played that or beaten that has a winning record is Auburn, who I don't even think they're ranked anymore because Auburn's not good either. <laughs> so, yeah. So the, the other team that they did play was Tennessee, but Tennessee they're not ranked anymore. Five. Yeah, but they were ranked at that time, yeah, at the time. So, so. Right. So like Georgia is the one for me is like they literally haven't beaten anyone good. If you're going to talk about putting BYU down for their schedule, Georgia hasn't played anyone that's any good in one. The only reason they would be above them is because they have more talent according to recruiting and NFL scouts, which is a stupid argument in my opinion, because yeah, we'll, we'll get into that in a little more, but Georgia would be the, the team for me and Indiana as well. Um, although they have looked okay, they also haven't beaten anyone good, and they've lost to the one team they they played that they needed to beat. State. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So. And unfortunately, I think one of the main struggles that BYU is going to run into as the um, decisions for who's going to make it into the New Year's Six Bowls approaches um, is the fact that you know all the Power Five teams are going to get automatic bids. Yeah. So if 
for uh, for example, if some of the Big 12 or Pac-12 teams are outside of that top 12, and regardless if BYU's in it or not, they're gonna they might get pushed out because of those teams getting those automatic bids. So that's another concern I have. But again, hopefully the game this weekend will move us up enough in the rankings to prevent that from happening. And also, here's the, also good news about this is Iowa State and Oklahoma are likely going to go play in the Big 12 championship game, and Iowa State's probably going to lose that game. Or even if they don't, if Oklahoma loses, that's fine. One of those teams will lose and drop back. Um, Miami plays North Carolina this week, who I'm not – that's definitely a losable game for Miami. So they could lose again and they won't be in their conference championship game. Um, Indiana. I don't believe Indiana will be in their conference championship game either. And I don't, and they lost their starting quarterback, the starting quarterback towards ACL and he's out for the season. They may lose to Wisconsin this week. So there's several teams above them. Cincinnati could lose to Tulsa. They play Tulsa twice. Um, so there's several teams ahead of BYU that even if BYU didn't play another game, they could still have opportunity to move up in the rankings and they don't have to move up very far. I think just to make a year six, because that seems to be, that's the goal, right? Like we're, we're not even thinking yeah. about college football playoff at this point. We just want to make sure we get in the New York six bowl. So they're in a good position. I feel much more comfortable after their scheduling of coastal Carolina. Um, I feel comfortable that they're going to be able to win that game, beat San Diego state and that, that, that resume will get them an at large bid to New Year's Six Bowl. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, we'll cross our fingers. Also, just how crazy is it that they pick up a game in the middle of the week on a Thursday? So they have to – I read an article saying that they had to stay up all night last night starting to, like, prepare for the game and doing all the things that you usually have at least a week ahead of time to do. Uh, how hard do you think that is on um, on the team and on the coaching staff in particular too? to have such a short notice. Yeah, I think it's definitely rough, especially with BYU. They don't have a really good history with winning on the East Coast whenever they have to travel that much. Um, historically, they haven't done very well. Um, like I say, this team's a lot better than a lot of those previous teams that have lost, so I don't know if it's the same scenario, but it's definitely hard for that turnaround um, to be so quick. Um, the one good thing is that, as far as game planning purposes and advantages in that way, is Coastal Carolina, they didn't know they were playing BYU either until today. So it's um, it's not like they've had an advantage um, in watching film or, or preparing game plans or things like that. Um, so it'll be hard, but I think they'll be okay. I think BYU, the players and the coaches seem like super ready to play. Like they're, they're ready to go. They want, they will, they want to play anyone, um, which goes into what I wanted to talk about. This goes back a couple of weeks. Um, did how much did you get a chance to read about or hear about the Washington scheduling situation of uh, last week? Um, I don't feel like I understood too much. Ba the, basically, what I understood was that Washington was contemplating it unless they were able to schedule a game with a Pac-12 opponent, and since they found Utah, that's why they ended up playing them instead of BYU. But was there more behind it? Yes, so I I remember we talked about this a few days before that whole thing happened in our in our first or second episode, and you brought up how like I wonder if the Pac-12 requirements and things with COVID like they have different they have different requirements if that would 
affect BYU scheduling. And my initial reaction was, no, that isn't like, I don't think COVID will make a difference, but I didn't realize how many other Pac-12 restrictions there were. Um, that the game, any game that BYU would have scheduled with Washington or any other Pac-12 school, it would be on Pac-12 network and BYU wouldn't have any revenue from that game. So they'd have to go out of their own pocket to go play. They don't get any of the TV revenue, which, you know, that's, that's probably fine. Um, but they also, um, in addition to the COVID restrictions that are different that you talked about, they would not guarantee BYU the game. So on Thursday, if it came down to it, if they had scheduled BYU with Washington and on Thursday, uh, Washington or Utah, the Utah opened up and Washington decided they, they would have to play Utah. BYU wouldn't even be allowed to play, um, play that game. And the problem with that is that BYU would, would have already paid for hotels and travel and food that's hundreds of thousands of dollars for BYU to not even be guaranteed a game. They'd have that just all go down the tube. And especially as BYU right now is like a, they're like a $20 million deficit from this year um, from not having people in the stands for COVID. So it was ridiculous. And I think Washington did it on in the PAC 12. I think it was malicious. I think they actually did it on purpose. And here's why. Um, first off, I think they Utah and Arizona State, Arizona State specifically had COVID issues for the past two weeks. Um, so it was already suspected several days before this discussion with Washington happened that Utah and Arizona State were going to cancel. And Washington knew that. And I think they anticipated the entire time that they were going to switch and play Utah. So they called BYU's bluff, gave them ridiculous conditions they had to meet. And BYU said, okay, we don't want to do that. If you'll just schedule a time for us to play a specific day and time, we'll come and do that. But they couldn't give that to them. And the Utah-Washington game was officially scheduled on Tuesday at like 7.05 p.m. or something, which is right after the college football playoff rankings came out. So they waited that entire time and left Sunday and Monday for ESPN critics and people to kill BYU for not accepting a game under ridiculous conditions and then scheduled the Utah game, which would have happened anyways, even if BYU had decided, yeah, we'll play you under ridiculous conditions, it would have got canceled and BYU would have lost money and Washington would have played Utah anyway. So it was, it was mute, but I think they, and, and I think they specifically did that just to hurt BYU's reputation. That is devious. So, but why would they do that to, to try to, make themselves look better in the rankings so. potentially they're trying to ha have they have oregon they have washington they have utah not anymore because they all stink and they lost but previously in usc teams that they're trying to get higher in the rankings and right before yeah. um the first college football playoff rankings come out and byu had just had the thing with the zach wilson where he says anytime any team any place on his headband and whole thing like yeah we want to we'll play anyone and then washington can say and that all this story was was leaked from washington so they leaked this story things behind private doors that shouldn't ever be open anyways they say oh yeah we we wanted to play byu but byu backed out because like they're worried about their position in the rankings where that wasn't it they were worried about losing lots of money and not even getting to play the game and then they go out and they officially announce the game right after the college football playoff rankings are out when 
when the Arizona State Utah problem had been a problem for a week or two. That could have already happened. So that was devious. That was ridiculous, in my opinion. Um, what the Pac 12 in Washington did to BYU in that situation. But yeah. So you think um, the committee that comes out with the college football um, playoff rankings actually took that into account, like what was happening with the whole Washington BYU story and say, and said, Oh, BYU's worried to play Washington. Like maybe they're not as good as other people think they are. You think that actually like went into well, their consideration? Well, they, they've said strength of schedule has come into their consider. Has come, that's the main reason why they've stated that's why BYU's down where they yeah. are, which is understandable to a certain degree. Um, but with that, I think that accentuates the problem is if they have a bad strength of schedule and the excuse is, well, it's not BYU's fault. They're trying to schedule people. If the story comes out, oh, well, Pac-12 school did try to schedule them, but BYU said no, and they're intentionally having a bad schedule and therefore they should be punished by the college football committee. But if that story never comes out, that narrative doesn't have any basis. So they release that story. They leak that story from behind closed doors that should never be in the public and it's ridiculous anyways, right before the the rankings come out. Um, I think intentionally. Man, that just makes me mad. Yeah. Yeah, it's ridiculous. But it's okay. BYU has um Coastal Carolina play, and if they take care of business, I think they'll be fine. Um, it was a very long-winded story by me, but I think it was an important thing to point out uh, in that situation. So, yeah, for sure. Well, that kind of makes me. What kind of makes me feel better about the whole scenario, though, is watching the Washington versus Utah game because I feel like that game made both those teams look bad because Utah jumped out to uh, an early lead in the first half. They were up 21 to zero. And so during the first half, you're like, Washington can't play. They can't even move the ball up the field. And then the second half, Washington comes back. Uh, Utah doesn't score a single point in the second half and Washington ends up winning the game. So for me, I just feel like that game convinces me that neither of those teams are really good and shouldn't be in the discussion of being, in the top uh, ranked teams this year in yeah. college football. Yeah, the Pac-12 is pretty awful. I thought the Big 12 was awful this year. And it actually is. It's the worst Big 12 since I've been alive. Maybe, but it's still far better than the Pac-12. But, yeah, they're still better than the Pac-12. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. It's been a crazy year uh, and a crazy football year for BYU and for really just for everyone, but especially for, for BYU, it's been a, uh, up till this point, been really kind of a light in the pretty ugly uh, year so far for BYU fans. But uh, another light that um, that BYU, ha- BYU fans have enjoyed um, this year in the past couple of years is the BYU players who are also performing in the NFL, not just in college. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah. The last couple of weeks we've had the opportunity to see Taysom Hill, former BYU quarterback start for the New Orleans Saints, and he's been playing pretty well. Um, um, his game a couple weeks ago, he threw 18 for 23, 233 yards with two rushing touchdowns. Um, and then last week, 
He didn't do as well through the air. He still had two rushing touchdowns, but only threw for 84 yards. So, yeah, what have been your thoughts? Have you had the chance to, to watch Taysom Hill at all these last couple of weeks? Mostly just went and watched highlights and things. Um, I think he's looked good. I know last week he didn't have very good numbers. He had a couple of rushing touchdowns. They were playing the Broncos, though, who, like, they didn't even have a quarterback on their team. Yeah, that was a crazy, uh, crazy So they situation. pretty much just ran the ball every time, and I don't know if they were trying to pass it or not. But they didn't need to. They won 31-3, to and they've won both games convincingly. Their defense has played well. So he's been fine. He's done good. I'm not going to say he's this amazing quarterback. He should have been the starter all year or something dumb like that. But, like, he's been good. He's, I think he's proven, like, he's a solid option. Like, he's a lot better than you know, Brock Osweiler or some other dudes that have been – have had starting opportunities in the NFL. So Yeah. Well, and – I don't know, maybe I'm just being optimistic as a BYU fan and kind of rooting for all the BYU alums that are in the NFL right now. But what do you think the possibility is? I mean, we know that Drew Brees is going to – is kind of in the end of his career. He's 41 years old, probably has a few more years in the league unless he pulls a Tom Brady and plays till he's 50. Um, so what, are you, what do you think the possibilities are of the Saints looking at Taysom Hill as a potential um, person to fill that role for them? I think this is his tryout. Like, if he keeps yeah. playing well, they'll keep him for at least the next year or two, um, at, at least as a stopgap. Like, he's 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 shown that he's a viable option. He's not Patrick Mahomes. He's not Tom Brady. He's not Aaron Rodgers. He's not going to be your best player. But he's a good, affordable quarterback option for the Saints um, and could be a lot better than – than other options they could possibly have. So I don't, I don't know if he's a long-term, the rest of his career being the starter with the Saints. Um, he's more of a journeyman, but at least for the next year, he might have a job. Yeah, I guess we'll have to see how things go. I will say um, there was a few passes that I wasn't super impressed by um, during his game last week. But, um, I mean, I think that's to be expected with um, someone that's stepping up as from being the backup quarterback. Um, but, you know, if, I think if he sharpens those things up, there's definitely potential for him to um, to really grow and prove himself for the future. So, I mean, he's already 30. I don't know how much more sharpening up. I think this is kind of I it. don't know. Like, yeah. It's hard for me, honestly, to believe that he's a starting quarterback in the NFL. I, I was, I'm once again, watching them play Texas multiple times, screaming at the defensive coordinator for Texas, like, I watch BYU play. This dude can't throw the ball. Like, he's he can't throw. He's obviously really yeah. athletic. He can run. All they do is run a read option at BYU. Just put everyone on the line. Who cares if they try to throw the ball or not? They never did, and he ran for, like, 8 million yards multiple multiple times. So it's hard for me to imagine that that dude is succeeding in the NFL, but he's, he's looking good. He's doing fine. So, Well, on top of that – Taysom Hill's last touchdown pass was in 2016 against Utah State when he was playing for BYU. He hasn't he hasn't had a touchdown pass in really? the NFL yet. So really, yeah, no, he hasn't. Oh, I, I just saw that this last week. So, mm-hmm. so I yeah. yeah, I thought that was pretty crazy. I mean, maybe they're maybe they um, counted that statistic as when he was the acting quarterback or something like that because I think he they might have done a, like a trick play, like a double pass or something. He's definitely thrown the ball. Yeah, where he threw a touchdown pass. But other than that, like, that's what they said was his last, like, touchdown pass. Was yeah. when he was the BYU quarterback. 
so anyways, definitely room for improvement there, but I'm optimistic. I'm optimistic. There's a lot of um, other guys for BYU that have been really good in the NFL too. I don't know if you've noticed any of them. Yeah. You know, one in particular that I recognized uh, last week was Daniel Sorensen. Um, you know, he had, he, had, he had a good game, a few good tackles, and he had the game-sealing interception against the Raiders. Um, so I thought that was pretty cool. Just give him a little bit of shout-out. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like, the game was kind of already over at that point because Patrick Mahomes had already done his thing and marched down the field for his game-winning drive and only left the Raiders with, like, 45 seconds left. But still, it was an important, uh, important moment, um, especially for the BYU sports fan who loves to see the uh, BYU players do well. Yeah, you know Aaron Rodgers. I think it was Aaron Rodgers recently said uh, Fred Warner, the San Francisco 49ers, He's like, yeah, that's that's one of the best linebackers in the in the whole league. So yeah, Fred Warner's killing it in uh, San Francisco on the Green Bay Packers. Jamal Williams has been doing pretty well for them. There's there's several guys uh, really doing well for BYU, and uh, I think giving NFL teams a reason to look more at BYU, especially this season, they actually have some potential NFL draft picks of these guys can really pan out. They're hard workers and they can develop if we uh, take a chance on them. So good for BYU. Really good year for their brand for football this year overall. Yeah. Who would you say are those? Um, I mean, obviously Zach Wilson is the top uh, draft uh, prospect from BYU, but are, are there other players that you have in mind that could potentially enter the draft this year? Uh, Kyrus Tonga, for sure. Um, he'll be like, I think he's he'll be like a third round draft pick. Uh, Brady Christensen, left tackle, also could be a third round ish draft pick. There's a lot of tackles in this draft, from what I've heard, so he may be pushed back a little bit, but he's he's on a lot of boards uh, right now. Um, James Impey, their center, is a potential NFL draft pick. Uh, Matt Bushman, their tight end, even though he's hurt, I don't know if he's going to try to come back next year or if he's going to go to the drafts, but he's. He's eligible. He's he definitely was on boards before his injury, so we'll see how that goes. But it's potential. And there's a couple guys on defense, um, as well with uh, Daw, the defensive end, looked at a little bit. Uh, Chris Wilcox, Troy Warner, the brother of Fred Warner. Those are all guys who be late late NFL draft picks or or, or free agency signees after the draft. And then you can maybe throw in like Dax Mill. Uh, he's kind of shot up boards are going to run me um, as well. So they've looked really good. I don't, I don't know if there a lot of, they have a lot of their guys are going to be towards the end of the draft or free agent uh, signees, but they have a lot of people that could potentially be playing on Sundays. Yeah. That's exciting. Yeah. Hopefully. I mean, it's hard to see these players go and it'd be nice if they stuck around for, you know, a few more years, but I definitely would love to see Zach Wilson in a BYU uniform next year, but I know the likelihood of that happening is very slim. Yeah. So, so we'll just have to cheer them on as they move on to um, the next best thing for them. So, yeah. yeah, fantastic. Well, I think that probably concludes this segment that we wanted to, to talk about with uh, BYU football and everything. Did you have anything else you wanted to add, Brady? Other than BYU's in college game day. That'd be fun. College game day, so, yeah. College game days in uh, at Coastal Carolina, so should all watch that on Saturday and watch them play Coastal Carolina at 5:30 Eastern time on ESPNU. Awesome, great. Well, with that, we'll be back right after this break. All right, welcome back to the Provo Pick and Roll Podcast. 
I just want to point out that we are now the Provo Pick and Roll Podcast because we we just didn't want to get sued by people because we're not going to make any money doing this thing. We're just doing this for fun, and that would it would be the worst if we got sued for doing this. Uh, not that great podcast, to be honest. So, so now we're the Provo Pick and Roll co- Podcast because there's seems to be like 50 other pick and roll podcasts we uh we determined there's also we were going to do like cool music and like do other stuff but all that's you got to pay for that stuff and we're poor college students so yeah so we're not going to do that yeah um and but you know i feel like it's still pretty good provo pick and roll podcast still kind of rolls off the tongue and everything and then we're a little bit more original we're not like the other 50 pick and roll podcasts that are out there so yeah there you go. But different. we are working on our theme music and like imaging and stuff that's in the in the works eventually, right? Oh yep, I've got my best people on it. Yeah, namely my brother and my sister. So keep hopefully... an eye out for some professional work <laughs> yep. here soon. Yep. Yep, it's exciting. So we just want we just we're playing as as in the last segment we talked about. BYU is playing Coastal Carolina this week on ESPNU. It'd be college game day. It'd be a great. Uh, Great experience for BYU football, but they are playing Coastal Carolina, who most of you and definitely us really don't know anything about because they've never been good at just about anything until recently. Um, so I'm going to quiz Jordan on a few things that I thought were interesting about them. Are you ready, Jordan? Um, I'm ready. Okay. The mascot for Coastal Carolina is a Chantelier. What is a chantelier? Oh my gosh. Um, I know it's like a bird thing. Well, actually, I don't know. I just know their image thing is a bird thing. So I assume it's some type of bird. But I have no idea what it actually is. I think I think it is, actually. I think it's like a like a rooster kind of deal. It's it's a character from Geoffrey Chaucer's uh, Canterbury Tales. Wow. I think it's like a rooster or something. That's like, like is that like um, like classic literature? Like old American <laughs> classic literature? Or what is, what are the Canterbury Tales? You've never heard of Chaucer? You've never heard of the Canterbury Tales? I've, I mean, I've heard of it, but what is it? <laughs> News to, Jordan does not read classic literature. No, yeah, that's, okay. it's not one of my strong suits. And to be honest, I haven't read it either. So <laughs> you I can't make fun of me. You haven't read it either. That much. I don't even know. Yeah, I knew it, it was fancy though. though. I'm aware of Chaucer and the Canterbury Tales. I just haven't, I haven't read it. But anyways, we'll continue okay. to um, culturally refine Jordan as these podcasts um, continue. <laughs> but yeah, so that's the origins of their um, kind of odd nickname. Um, the second question is: Can you spell Chantelier? Chantelier? It, yeah. Is it Chantelier or Chanticleer? I don't know. I'm just reading it. You, you, so you don't have the answers to these questions. You're just well, having questions. Okay. I'm going to go C-H-A-N-T-I-L-E-E-R. That was close. There's a C in there. You missed it. It's, there's a C before the L-E-E-R at the end. So that's why I asked if it was Chanticleer or Chantelier. Uh, but okay all right 
So Chanticleer. Yeah, interesting. Thanks. All right, um, next question. What city and state is Coastal Carolina located in? I mean, so I'm assuming it's in North or South Carolina. Okay. Not sure which, which one. I'm gonna go with South Carolina. And since I don't know a lot of cities in South Carolina, somewhere around Charleston, no idea. Is that the only city you know in South Carolina? Yep. Okay, that's fair. It is not Charleston. But is it South Carolina, guess. though? It's South Carolina. Oh, man. So I get half a point, at least, for that. You get half a point. That was good. You had a okay. 50% chance. I actually thought it was North Carolina before I looked it up. So um, good job. It's in Conway, South Carolina. It's like 30 miles away from Myrtle Beach. It's a popular tourist place. I think that's one of the like PGA golf courses in Myrtle Beach, right? Do you know? I don't know. I think so. Anyways, it's close to a really nice area in South Carolina, um, Conway, South Carolina. So that's where BYU will be traveling. Uh, next question. What NCAA sport did Coastal Carolina recently, uh, did they win the national championship in this past decade? They've won a national championship in something? Um, yeah. It's got to be something like um, um, – Something that no one watches. Curling? <laughs> South Carolina. Is there, is there collegiate curling? South Carolina, you think they do curling there? Maybe. I don't know. Okay. Um, actually, it's baseball. Baseball? Really? Yeah, they won the uh, – they won the – they're the national champions in 2016 in uh, NCAA baseball. It's their first – um, and only, I think, national championship at the FBS level. So I thought that was cool. I, I remember that happening, but I was actually in Hawaii on my mission at that time. Um, so I didn't I didn't watch it. I didn't have an opportunity to watch it, but I do remember hearing that that was kind of a cool story. So that was the same university that we're talking about. Wow. Uh, a, a major national championship. It wasn't like knitting. Or, uh, I thought it was going to be uh, something more obscure. I didn't think it was going to be any of the main sports. Yeah, that's why so I thought. That's, yeah, that's, that's why I thought it was interesting because that was kind of cool. Not very common for a little school to do that. I guess more common in baseball, but still for a major sport, um, not a traditional power. Um, next question. You have two more. Next one is, which PGA Tour golfer went to Coastal Carolina? See, the problem with this question is also assuming that I know the names of a lot of PGA Tour golfers. Yep. So um, this is going to be really hard. Can you have, I'll change the question. Can you <laughs> name three PGA Tour golfers? I mean, Tiger Woods. Okay. Rory McIlroy. That's two. Um, John Rahm. It's, I just know him because he had that really cool golf shot that skipped across the oh, water. Was that that guy? That was that was the coolest video I ever seen. That was the coolest For any thing. sports, anything. That was the coolest I've never seen. Yeah, yeah that, that was, was pretty sweet. Okay, good job. Anyways, so was it, it any was, of those three guys? No, it wasn't any of those three guys. It was Dustin Johnson. Oh, I actually recognize that name though. So yeah, he's been pretty good. So maybe like a quarter of a point. I went through. No, <laughs> you don't get a quarter of a point for that. <laughs> I went through Wikipedia and it like had a list of like famous alumni 
and the first like eight people were like random like and then it was just in the middle with dustin johnson i was like why is he like the 10th listed person on this list of athletes who are famous but anyways he went to coastal carolina as well uh and the last question um is who won the maui invitational this year this has nothing to do with coastal carolina (laughs) texas longhorns carolina yeah who did they beat i can't remember it's been so long. I can't remember either. I try to block those things out of my memory. Oh, I do remember. I think it was the score is 69 to 67. And Texas beat North Carolina in their own state. Again, that's right. I do remember that. You know, the you know, Carolina Tar Heels, they're just still trying to get their feet under them. They're still working out. You know, all the new players that they're getting on their team, trying to get things figured out. So once they do that, they will be good enough to beat Texas. And and that will be when it counts. You'll see. It'll be like in the NCAA tournament. They'll come face Texas again, and then they'll step up and beat them. And then you'll be sad because you're like, man, I don't really care about the Maui Invitational anymore. Another interesting stat is Texas has beaten North Carolina in nine of the last ten meetings between the two schools. I mean, how long has that been in between meetings, though? It's been a couple decades. But in nine of the last ten meetings, Texas has beaten North Carolina. So you're, so. Just trying to, you're just trying to get your wins where you think you can get them. Because if we look at the recent history uh, between the programs of the Tar Heels and the Longhorns, I mean, who's had the, who's had the, better, um, the better stretch? It's definitely well, the Tar Heels. It's obviously the last couple of years have been rough for the Tar Heels. I'll Texas. give you that. If North Carolina had to play Texas over their illustrious history, maybe they wouldn't won so much. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> you you enjoy your time in the sun right now, but I'm the one that's going to be laughing in the end. Okay. Mark my words. Yeah, we will. We will mark your words. All right, that was all my questions. That was. I knew that was going to come up sometime during these episodes. I didn't know when though. <laughs> Uh, really all that entire exercise was just an excuse to get to that question so well i'm i'm, I'm you glad enjoyed you enjoyed it. that I hope our listeners enjoyed it because they should and i thoroughly enjoyed it i thought it was great the game well, and um, your reaction yeah i guess that's true well speaking of uh college basketball we all also wanted to spend a little bit of time focusing on the byu basketball team um, and kind of how they've been doing so far. They've played five games so far. They're four and one, their only loss coming to USC. Um, so yeah, I guess just to start off, um, what are your been your overall feelings of the team and how they've looked so far this year? Well, I mean, so far they've kind of been who I thought they would be. Um, they're pretty big. Uh, they're able to rebound and defend the rim pretty well, especially against some of the smaller schools, like they played New Orleans and their tallest player was like 6'8". They dominated the boards, dominated around the rim in that game. So those guys have been good, not great. Um, They've been good defensively and rebounding, but really haven't been able to score on their own very much. Um, And on the outside, they got a bunch of shooters, a bunch of shooters who usually have played pretty well, moved the ball, shot the ball well off the catch but they don't really have very many playmakers off the dribble. Um, that's my, that was my main concern coming in and remains my main concern uh, with the team as a whole. 
Yeah, building off of that, I think when we compare this team, the team this year to the team last year, the main difference is those three main guys that we lost, uh, being Yoli Childs, um, uh, Jake Toulson, and then TJ Hawes. Um, so I, th I feel like that's mainly what the team is lacking right now is having players that can go out and get their own buckets. You yeah. know, they can just – they're just go-to scoring options. And it's hard because we had three of those last year, but now we really don't have any. Like Alex Barcelo has been really good, averaging 18 points a game, but his type of scoring is more of hitting the open threes, getting a good drive here and there, and but, like, he doesn't uh, create a lot of shots for himself. So. I, I will say I would, I'll give Barcelo his due. I was wondering how he would – because he was the guy going in, right? We thought, okay, someone – he's the guy that needs to take the ball and and be the guy for this team, at least to start, um, right? That's kind of what we were thinking. Yeah. And to his credit, he's in, – in all the games except for the USC game, he's done really well. He's His shooting percentage has been, like, above 70, it seems like, and he's scoring 20 points a game. So he has done well. Um, individually but in that USC game where he was down you really saw that lack of of individual playmaking ability like you said like the the thing that made BYU so good is is they shot the ball really well last year but anytime they got down they had one of those three guys Yoli or TJ Hawes or Toulson it's like just give them the ball they'll get us a couple points and we'll get back rolling they have uh, they had that kind of talent to take over games and they could just rotate those responsibilities when necessary. Whereas this team doesn't know who they are. They don't know who that guy is yet. If, if Barcelo's not playing well, they don't have another guy to step up yet. I, I'm hoping that would be harms, but honestly, offensively, hasn't looked great uh, to me. He, he, has, he hasn't shown that he can take the ball and go score. Um, he's been kind of disappointing on offense, but it's just a couple games he's played. So I'm not going to fully judge them but as a post player I've been pretty sad with the post play on offense this year um, except for uh, except for what's his name 45 year old man Colby Lee. Or Lee? Colby Lee Colby Lee has looked good at, he still has touch around the rim and he can score on his by himself and he's shot really well from three but other than Colby Lee the uh, post guys offensively have been a little disappointing for me. Yeah. And, but part of that though, is I feel like um, the way the offense has been structured, hasn't really give given players like harms to have that many opportunities to, to try to score. Um, I would like to see harms get into a little bit uh, more of that post slash pick and roll action um, to, to give him more opportunities. Cause I feel like, um, given those opportunities, he might be able to step up. They, they're probably – I know they're limiting his minutes and everything right now um, with him coming back from his ankle injury. So hopefully that can be something that the BYU offense can explore in these, uh, in these next few games that can potentially, you know, lead to, uh, to better offense down the road. Yeah, I hope so. They do run a lot of that – the handoff – kind of a handoff pick and roll action like this, their whole offense pretty much mm -hmm. and the post guys hand it off and then go roll down if they have mismatches. Um, so I feel like there's opportunity, definitely opportunities within the offense for that to happen. Just maybe they haven't taken advantage of it as much as they will in the future. Hopefully that is the yeah. case. 
Well, I guess I was thinking like maybe it would be worth it to explore like more set plays where you're getting looks, where you're trying to get a switch on Harms or, you know, just to get him good looks, to get him going on offense even. And then later on, just trying to find opportunities for him to score within the flow of the offense that they normally have with those, um, those rub screen passes and everything. So I think they're going to have to do something to get Harms and Colby lead the ball down low. Because I just don't think they're the guards and the forwards on the outside. If they're not catch and shoot, it's not going to happen. Like they're, they, they don't have that skill set um, to make plays happen in the same way that Toulson and Haas did on the outside. Barcel is the only one, and he's not actually as good as either Haas or Toulson at doing that, I mm-hmm. think. So they definitely need some people on the outside to step up and uh, maybe strategically uh, try to take advantage of their size on offense a little more through post-ups as well. What did you think about the USC game overall? So I um, unfortunately didn't have the chance to, to watch the USC game, but just kind of looking back at the highlights, it just looked like, I mean, it looked like pretty normal. They just couldn't hit their shots. And yeah. so hopefully, you know, you would think if we get – uh, had the chance to play USC again if they simply hit their shots that it would be more of a game uh, but um, yeah I don't know what were your thoughts yeah I mean uh, I would I would agree with that after having watched the game um, they shot like under 20 percent or something they start, they shot 23 percent I'm looking at ESPN right now it's 23 percent from the three-point line, but they shot like 35 three-pointers. They shot a lot, a lot of threes, and, and a lot of them weren't bad. They were open. They just didn't go in. They just couldn't buy anything uh, inside or out. They only shot – their field goal percentage was 27%, and they got out-rebounded by 15. But they actually beat USC on the offensive boards. Um, so they had plenty of opportunities to score They uh, within their offense, and people were open. They just couldn't make anything, which – goes kind of back into what we were saying is is they don't have a guy to get them out of slumps they're winning uh getting towards the end of the first half they were up like 20 to 18 or something like that and then they just start couldn't hit shots and they really couldn't hit shots the rest of the game from that point on and they never were able to get out of that funk because no one took the lead and no one was able to do that for them but with a team that shoots so many threes that's just going to happen. I don't think that's going to happen regularly. I think they are a good three-point shooting team, so I think they'll beat a lot of teams. And if they do shoot well, they can play with anyone in the country. Um, I just worry about their secondary options, if they have any. That was my main thoughts. Yeah, the the main player that I'm looking for to step up to really boost the offense, um, for me, it's Brandon Abrid. Um, because he's the type of player that I feel like can um, can make a difference on the offensive end through his dribbling penetration. Yeah. Um, we've seen um, moments where he's looked really good at driving the ball and creating um, shot opportunities for uh, for other people. So I think he's that player that can really take the BYU offense to the next level by having someone who can both drive and kick and drive and finish at the rim. I've the only thing with him, though, is I've been kind of disappointed with his decision-making at times. He turned the ball, ball over yep. a few times and really tried to force things where uh, it really wasn't there. But but he's been decent so far. He's actually kind of surprised me, averaging 10 points a game, and but only like three assists. So so look, I'm looking for him to step up as the season progresses. 
Yep, I agree. He he definitely has potential. Um, just needs to take care of those turnover issues, like you were saying. But yeah, so they're on their way. They were, uh, I believe, four and one at this point. That's correct. Mm-hmm. That's and correct. have looked pretty good, although they did look awful against USC. And hopefully, we won't see a repeat of that soon. Um, but if they can take care of a lot of the rest of their non-conference schedule, they'll be able to overcome that loss, I believe. Uh, and, and this is a team that's entirely new as well. Like they're very different, lots of different players, and they're trying to find their own roles and their own chemistry on the court. So give them time, and I'm sure they'll uh, they'll improve as the year goes along. Yeah. Um, other exciting news with BYU basketball is uh, Coach Pope has re- recently signed a contract extension that goes into the year 2027. So, um, so I guess first, what are your thoughts on that contract extension, and what does that mean for the BYU program moving forward? I think it's great. I think it's great for the uh, BYU program. I think he's a really good coach. Um, after watching Coach Rose for several years, I like Coach Rose. He's a great guy. He had a lot of success, but there were some clear discipline and cultural issues within the team. Uh, they didn't play hard. They didn't play well. And since Coach Pope has come in, the players have seemed to have bought in. And they, whether they win or not, they play hard. They play defense. They play together. They sacrifice their um, – personal statistics and, and, and roles for the sake of winning at the end. So I really like what Pope has brought to the table um, in his time at BYU. And that extension provides security uh, for BYU and also for recruits. I think that will help in recruiting to say, hey, I'm here for the long term. I've, I've, uh, I've, I'm devoted to this program and I'm going to be here for several years. I'm not looking to jump to the NBA or jump to a big name job right away. Um, so that's big time for BYU. Yeah, it was very um, reassuring to me because I was concerned that within these next few years that he was going to go to a bigger program like Kentucky or potentially ex- explore possibilities in the NBA. But seeing his contract extension really um, surprised me. Um, and I guess my question is, does this for sure mean that he'll be here until 2027 or is there still like some possibilities that he might not, you know, stay here the entire time that that contract exists? Yeah. So it's not for sure. Um, If Texas fires Shaka Smart at the end of the year, like they might. And uh, despite them being undefeated, I still don't like Shaka Smart. He's not a great coach. Anyways, if he gets fired and Texas needs a guy and they're going to pay a lot of money, they can go buy, they can go buy out Pope coach Pope's contract. So they will pay. Um, they'll pay out the rest of his contract, including the next contract um, that they'll have to pay Pope. So it can be done, but it's would be very, it'd be a lot more expensive now for another program to poach him. So at least within the next few years, while he still has many years left on his contract, it's not likely that someone will be willing to pay that much to steal him away from BYU. But if he's really successful over the next few years and he has like two years left on his contract, then yeah, a big name program with, with uh, big money bag pockets could come in, uh, could buy out his contract and offer him another position. So he's not guaranteed through 2027, but it's, it's definitely a lot more likely and definitely a lot, a lot more likely in the near future that he'll stay a BYU head coach. Okay, that's good to know. Yeah, I didn't 
so I guess I didn't realize that before about the contracts, but I guess, yeah, that's kind of similar to how even like the NBA players contracts works is if yep. a team wants to pick you up, they have to take on your contract and everything. Yep. So awesome. Well, yeah, exciting times. And then I mean, this team is really young. So if coach Pope stays with these players for a few more years, just think of how good they could be in three or four years. Yep. So really exciting. Well, great. Yep. Good things happening with BYU basketball. Um, kind of to wrap up this episode, we wanted to um, just take a little bit of time to go through some of the uh, mistakes or just moments where we were just plain out wrong from our la last episode because we figured it'd be fun to kind of recognize those things. And also, we want you guys to know that we are committed to bringing you the top sports news. So when we make a mistake, we're going we're gonna to correct it so that you're not misinformed. I mean, I just gave so, you trivia questions about Coastal Carolina with our limited time that we have on this podcast. I don't know if I that's... I know. That's what I'm saying, yeah. That's, was, that's what they really need to know. You're not getting that information That's what they really need to else. know. Those are the important facts. Yeah. You need to know how to spell Chanticleer. Spelling, learning to spell will help you more in life than knowing anything about college football, probably. Yeah. Plus, it's fun. Anyways, I wanted to call this se segment uh, Brady's Blunders. It's However, are these only my things no, that are wrong? No, that's what I was just going to say. Like, it would be funny. Just, it's just a catchy name, so that'd be fun to call that. However, I actually made more of these mistakes than you did, so that really wouldn't, that really wouldn't make any sense. Anyways, so yeah, let's go ahead and jump into them. Um, so... So a couple of weeks ago, we were talking a lot about NBA free agency. And I had mentioned, we were talking about Gordon Hayward and where he might end up. And I had mentioned that the, the top place that he was looking at going to was the Philadelphia 76ers. I went back and looked at it, and that was not even one of the teams that was talking <laughs> about um, picking him up. Like, I don't know where I got that from. The, he <laughs> obviously, Harden, you know, maybe. he ended up with the Hornets now, so... There was discussions with the Hornets, and then the only other teams were the Knicks and the Pacers. So, not sure where That's I got right. the Sixers from. James Harden was well, that was one of his places he wanted to go, right? Was the Sixers or the Nets? Um, yeah, yeah, those were the kind of. His, I mean, his main push has been for the Nets, but yeah. Okay. But anyways, so so I was wrong on that. Also, um, we were talking a little bit uh, last week about. Um, the NBA draft, and Brady had mentioned that there had only been four BYU players that have ever been drafted. Guess how many players have actually been drafted from BYU in the NBA, Brady? 16. Four? No. 16. Well, so, I mean, not a lot of them are very notable. Huh? Is there a date restriction on that? Or maybe it's what about the first round? I don't know. Oh, I mean, the first I'm not going to defend myself. I was wrong. I believe you. I mean, yeah. Like, there's been 16 total. Because you said four people from BYU, you know, ever getting yeah, drafted. Because we were talking about Yoli maybe going late in the second round. And you're like, oh, yeah, it'd be nice since there's only been four. But there's been 16. So, granted, some of those players never actually ended up. Later. Huh? I expect you to provide some physical proof for me later. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll send you the article. Okay. Um, anyways, so so that was another thing. Um, the last one that I um, that I recognized from our episodes a couple weeks ago was we were talking about one of the players for St. Mary's, 
who played pretty well against BYU and that was returning this year. Um, you said his name was Malik Fitz, and you were right. Hmm. I thought his name was John Locke. And so the player I <laughs> was thinking of different. was actually Jock Landell, who uh, I graduated the year previous. And, and I looked up who John Locke was. He is a, an English philosopher from the 17th century. Yeah, so, John Locke. That's good stuff. He's an American uh, revolutionary. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm glad that I can remember who John Locke is. You know, those history. Uh, those yeah, history he definitely classes really did not play well. basketball for St. Mary's. Yeah, you know, it's just one of those things. It's just a 50-50. If you ask me who John Locke is, I might tell you he's a philosopher, or I might tell you he was a basketball player for St. Mary's. So, okay. If I had that 50-50 chance. I feel like that's pretty good. Yeah, okay. Anyways, so those were um, Brady's blunders for our last episodes. Yeah. Which were I really Only one of those was mine. I know, exactly. But see, Brady's blunders is so much more catchy than what would what would we call mine? Like Jordan's – see? Uh, you can't even think of anything. I don't know. Anyways. I'm not sure. Well, we'll, we'll think thinking of a on name. the radio, thinking on on podcast radio is not maybe great content. I think it is. Maybe we should ask our audience what they think the name of the segment it should just be. Just pause and just wait for someone to email us <laughs> in like four days. No, no. Anyways. Okay. Well, that was fun. Awesome. Well, I like that they're mostly you. You can continue to do that in the future if you like. I mean. They're not always going to be me. Maybe. Maybe they will. It might be. I, I like to pretend that I know what I'm talking about when I really <laughs> don't. So that's really when I get into these kind of situations. All right. Well, thank you for all for joining us on this episode of the Provo Pick and Roll podcast. And we hope you'll join us again next time.